Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. So I want to consider something today in 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I had a conversation with somebody today that kind of provoked this thought. And remember Pastor used to speak about momentum tests. It was kind of a, a popular theme that he would bring up. Remember that? A test that would try every part of our Christian faith so that it would create momentum. And I want to consider this First Peter chapter 4, verse 12, as we think about that today, that God is always causing us in John chapter 15 to bear fruit. It's not enough to just uh, be a Christian in the sense of that's amazing, uh, but to bear fruit, to be effective, to be a light in a dark world. And uh, so things that we face in our life, um, they are causing us to, uh, to grow. They're refining us. They're uh, faith building in our hearts. And um, so the process may be challenging. It may be uh, uncomfortable. But the results are beautiful, right? The results are beautiful, right? So, all right, First Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. And I was thinking about what does that mean, the fiery trial. When you deal with fire, fire, t- fire tends to touch everything, doesn't it? It's either the smoke or the actual fire itself. It'll burn up any combustible material. So that can happen in our life sometimes when maybe uh, situations that God allows, uh, he, it, it touches every part of our life. It tests every part of our life. And the idea isn't that God is trying to destroy you or I, but he's trying to bring us deeper. He's trying to uh, refine us. He's trying to give us something that we did not have before. Now, I don't know about you. I wish faith was built on a sunny day, but faith is not built necessarily on a sunny day. God has to bring trouble to not only break up the fallow ground, but to to get our attention sometimes, isn't it true? Like that storm yesterday, that was a pretty intense storm, wasn't it? And it's like, um, when, it's, when it's beautiful outside, we kind of like take for granted that it's a beautiful day, but when it's Storm and Norman like we had yesterday, uh, it kind of, we're kind of more aware, we're a little bit more sensitive, we're, you know, we're, um, we're, we're attentive, cautious maybe. So, do not think it's strange. I love that. It's almost like Peter's saying, uh, it's not if, it's when. It's not if, it's, when. It's, it's not if, but it's when that God may allow things in your and my life to um, really have an encounter with God, for us to engage God. Now, it's one thing, again, to go to church, uh, read our Bibles, um, say the pious platitudes that we all like to say, but it's a whole other thing to engage God. 
to engage him, which means that you and I are not only sensing his presence, but we are, we're partaking of his presence. There's an actual exchange going on where we're experiencing our Christian life. And I think that is our greatest prayer. Uh, to, yes, have an encounter with God, but to engage him. And when we engage him or when we allow him to engage us, we're then energized. So those are the three E's I want you to grab today. We have an encounter with God that, ener uh, that causes us to engage and then be energized by that engagement. And, and don't you love that, that uh, he is constantly giving us uh, something. He's giving us himself. And not in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 4, he could not give us any more than he's already given. But the real question is, will we allow him to have all of us, right? That's the major question. Like, Lord, you've given us everything. Therefore, we want to give you everything. So, and the greatest thing that he wants, what's the greatest thing God wants? He wants our heart, right? He doesn't want our talent. He doesn't want our, our help, but he wants our heart. And that oftentimes is recognized in a trial, in a momentum test. When every part of our faith, every part of our knowledge of God is tested, now, have you ever been in a situation where maybe you've heard something all your life and then all of a sudden you're tested and it's time to implement that knowledge? Now, there's a difference. There, there's something that happens, doesn't it? It's like the, prof the profession now becomes a possession, right? It actually becomes something that's active in my life, right? Um, have you... Um, uh, ever had a situation where uh, God's teaching you a truth and you're enjoying it and you're enjoying it and then somebody comes in your life that he asks you to actually exercise and implement that truth, right? That's a whole nother ball game, right? <laughs> it's nice, nice to kind of have it in our mind, a or kind of a psychological Christianity where I'm just kind of enjoying it in my mind, but actually when I have to give grace or give forgiveness or love my enemy, uh, and then God, um, God shows up in a mighty way. Um, all right, so do not count it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is, which is there to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, and when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. For you are reproached for the name of Christ, Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Isn't that good? So uh, think about that. The glory of God rests upon you. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians together. So no matter where you are today, what's going on in your life today, God has anointed you for it. God has anointed you for it sickness or health, um, good times, trying times. Um, God has anointed you. God has commissioned you. God has prepared you uh, for, for that moment. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. And I, I'm bringing this up today because we're going to end up in Numbers 21. Um, but think about the momentum tests. They're not there to destroy you. Tests are temporary. Isn't that good? Praise God, right? Tests are temporary, right? 
And if we learn the lesson that God has designed for us to learn, the trial could be shorter. It could be. But if we don't, the trial could be longer. That's up to God, right? So we know this statement like when things happen to us, we can say, God, why, 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 why? And that's not a bad question. It's just not the right question because it isn't, it isn't a question of why. It's what. Okay, God, what are you working in? What is it that you're trying to teach me? And this is a beautiful thing because trials are not meant to destroy you and I. They're meant to bring us deeper. And this is a day and age, I think, where when the axe head is sharp, it has great impact. But if the axe head is dull, it, it, you have to use a lot of weight. You have to use a lot of energy. And there's not a lot of impact, right? You ever worked with a, a dull axe head? What happens to that axe? You hit the tree, and what happens to the axe? <laughs> it bounces, right? It bounces. It bounces into you or bounces off the tree or... Uh, yeah, it can be very dangerous, actually. So, but a sharp axe head is awesome, right? You can use very little effort, and you're digging in, right? You're digging into that tree. All right, Second Corinthians chapter four. So, just thinking about our faith, that precise knowledge, that precise truth, uh, that encounter that leads to an engagement with God, really energizes us for whatever's looking at us in the face, right? So it's amazing how a word can break a bone, can't it? A soft answer turns away wrath in Proverbs 15.1. And how a word can break a bone in that sense where you, being spirit-filled in the depth of God, can say one word and the thousand demons leave. All right? Isn't that incredible? We don't need some sensational show. I remember talking to a new person like, and they were saying, like, our church is pretty serious. They said, you know, there's not, like, people, there's not a lot of dancing and all this. And I, and I just kind of listened to that person and just kind of enjoyed their, their question. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I didn't want to be too, like, joking about it. But when you're in the spirit, you don't need a show, pretty much. It, takes, it just takes, a, like we had last night, a manifestation of truth. And the demons, the demons are expelled, right? dispelled. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, we know these verses, but thinking about uh, that, okay, so here they are. Trials are temporary. Their they're purpose is for us to grow. Their purpose is for us to be refined, and they are faith builders. So God is constantly giving us something we need that we don't have. So not that we pray for trials, but there is a purpose there. All right, four. It says, for out of much affliction and anguish of the heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which is so abundantly for you. So, so that's, an amaz that's an amazing statement, isn't it? A couple of verses earlier here in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that, that through afflictions, we understand that we're loved, right? We understand whose we are and the value of who we are. Because think about it like this. The devil doesn't go after... Uh, dead Christians, right? The devil doesn't bother with people that don't have a spiritual impact because they're no threat to him. But someone that has a spiritual impact that has um, some sort of uh, testimony, uh, they can be on this hit list. 
right? But if anyone has caused grief, okay, let's actually move. Let's move up to verse uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 8. I hope I got the right verse here. Therefore, I urge you in verse 8, you to reaffirm your love for him but that for this end that I might put you to the test. You know what? I'm in the wrong chapter. Okay, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Those were good verses, necessary verses. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earth and vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Think about that. There's the excellence of the Holy Spirit must be revealed, right? We are hard-pressed. We're pushed in on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our own body. Those are powerful verses, aren't they? Think about them. We are perplexed, but not in despair. You ever been perplexed? Just kind of scratching your head going, this makes absolutely no sense, right? We can just turn on the news and you get a lot of that, right? It's like there's a lot of perplexity. We are pressed in with this compression, oppression, right? Compression on all around, oppression happening on us, depression maybe happening in us, but we're not crushed. Who's sustaining you today? Who's sustaining you and I today? The Lord is sustaining. He's personally walking with you and I in Job 23.10. And I love the start of that verse. He knows the way that we take. He knows exactly what's going on in our heart. He knows exactly the giant that's before us. But think about this. Um, the giant before us is dwarfed, is dwarfed to the measure of the giant that's with us. Isn't that good? The giant before you and I is dwarfed. It is, it is tiny compared to the massive uh, giant of God that's in us and with us. Isn't that good? What a perspective. What a perspective. Okay. Numbers 21. This is where I want to land for a few minutes. Numbers 21. Now, obviously, we want this kind of perspective when we're in a trial, but often maybe things can catch you by surprise or there can be just the emotional mutiny, right? Just like the upset, upsetting of the soul, the disruption of emotions. There can be this... Um, discouragement that can set in uh, when things maybe go differently than what you think or what we think should happen. But isn't God faithful? God says, I'm going to add to your faith, Romans 5, 3 through 5. I'm going to add virtue. I'm going to add patience. I'm going to add, I'm going to add me to everything that you need. And I don't know about you. I just feel like we're in a day of uh, preparation and manifestation because everyone around us really needs to hear what that treasure, that excellency that's in us. And uh, by the way, when the atmosphere tells you to be quiet or settle down or, or don't say anything, isn't it so good to do exactly opposite of what the atmosphere says? All right, the devil's trying to shut you up or shut you down. Guess what? That's when we speak up, right? 
That's when there's something that God's put in our heart that's a prepared word for a prepared time, for a prepared place, for a prepared people. So the word of God in you is so powerful, and it's exactly what people need to hear uh, in this crazy day we live in. All right, Numbers 21. Don't you love this chapter? Uh, in particularly, let's look at 4 through 9 and uh, just think about the scenario here, how God seriously takes what we say. He hears what we say. And sometimes we arm the devil, uh, unfortunately. We actually create our own misery uh, just by our, our, our words and or actions. But notice what's said here in verse 4. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea, and they go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged in the way. Okay? And the people spoke against God. Okay, that, that's a big statement, right? So there's one thing to speak against God. Okay, it's one thing to verbally speak. But our actions can speak against God, right? Our unbelief is actually speaking against God, saying, God, you're not enough, or your word is not applicable. So we have to be careful that to... Uh, to go positive to the will of God and not to speak or to act against God and against Moses. They said, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Isn't that interesting about, about uh, trials? They can really affect our perspective on things, right? They can really affect uh, our perspective. Like, for instance, uh, you know, anybody here ever gotten food poisoning? It's horrible, isn't it? It's really bad. We won't go into details but we all know what, what happens in food poisoning. Now, I can focus on what I ate wrong, so, you know, and not, and not eat again, but that would be absurd, right? <laughs> but I, or I can think about the thousands and millions of times that I've ate and actually enjoyed ourselves. Like, I'm looking at Steve Capella over there. We were in Georgia, and we went to this cafe called the OK Cafe. Remember that, Steve? And... Uh, we had the best food on the planet, and I learned what a chicken biscuit is. Anybody know what a chicken biscuit is? It sounds like a biscuit with, with chicken on it, right? Like maybe like uh, chicken uh, gravy or something, but not in this case. This biscuit needed a plate, its own plate. Too big, my, the size of my hand, right, Steve? Am I, am I exaggerating? I'm not, yeah. <laughs> uh, Biscuits the size of my hand and a, and a side of chicken, fried chicken in the middle of that. Yeah, it was awesome. So we're ordering our food, and the waitress is kind of looking at us like she knew we weren't from around there because we were, we were in Atlanta, Georgia. And, and, uh, but they just brought out all this food. Our whole, <laughs> our whole table was full of food, and we had no idea how much food we were really ordering. You know, an omelet, you know, side of you know, grits and chicken biscuit. I mean, it, like three waitresses brought out our food. Anyway, why did I bring that? Oh, yeah, so food poisoning. So I'm not going to focus on the food poisoning. I want to focus on how many times that we had a good meal. Like perspective is really key in a trial, isn't it? Like I can count my blessings or I can wallow and sulk in the present misery. Now, that doesn't help, does it? Well, the Israelites are reacting and... Uh, they begin to uh, accuse, for there's no food and no water, and our soul loathes 
this worthless bread. Okay, the manna, right? They are, they are uh, dissatisfied with God's provision. And by the way, sometimes it is good to understand that what God has provided is exactly what I need. Isn't that a good thing to remember? Like sometimes we might be reaching for something that God hasn't given because God is saying you don't need that. What I have provided is what you need. So we're seeing here that they are loathing this worthless bread. You see that? So what happened to the Israelites? They have um, devalued and undermined God's provision, and they've called it worthless. Called it worthless. So God is provoked in these verses, and, and he is provoked. And look what happens here. Um, uh, he goes on to say, So the Lord sent, the Lord sent fiery serpents. Okay, Not the devil, but the Lord sent. And that is a scary statement, isn't it? The Lord sent fiery serpents, and what happens? Among the people, and they bit the people, and many people of Israel died. So it's like the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. The Lord sent fiery serpents. So what is that? Well, when, when we reject God, the judgment, therefore, is not satisfied and must be uh, sent to address, uh, to address the, the issues. <laughs> and, and this is God allowed these serpents. I don't, know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how many people here like snakes. Anybody here like snakes? No, Donald, you don't like snakes? I, kinda, I like to catch them, actually. I don't know. They're kind of interesting. But you have to catch them right. You have to kind of work with them correctly. Uh, but being bitten by one is serious business. I think of Pastor, um, Pastor Ken Fires down there in Florida. He got bitten by a copperhead, and, and he was not the same, right? Um, so, so this particular snake obviously was poisonous, and they were dying. But look at the provision. Just notice the progression here, okay? Okay, there was a trial. There was complaining. There was not only complaining, there was uh, familiarity with what God had provided, and there was an accusation against it. And then there was an attack on the man of God. And then uh, God says, okay, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn your heart around the hard way here. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. That, those are beautiful words too, right? I mean, that repentance is key to recovery and revival. But that's not our message alone. We have sinned, but there's also the focus on Christ being the Son and the answer. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent... And set it upon a pole, and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was that the serpent had bitten anyone. When they looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. All right, very interesting. Bronze in the Bible is a very powerful symbol of judgment, okay, judgment. And we know that judgment was ultimately satisfied at the cross, right? This is why God loves you and I today. It's because the debt of sin and the justice that sin demanded needed to be met, and that's why Christ died. 
and not only died, but shed his blood. So Moses here honors the provision of God, and he and this emblem, we see this in our medical world today, don't we? We see that, that serpent, and we see that uh, in some of the medical emblems, this same principle here, the, the serpent on the pole. But it had, to be, it had to be lifted up on a pole. It had to be bronze. And the fieriness of it, it's the reflection of it. And uh, the idea is that God was going to take the judgment that of sin and meet that judgment and give mercy and give healing. Isn't that, that's the story of the cross right there. That's the, that's redemption's story right there. But there was, there was a necessary action. What is the necessary action? What's the necessary action? They had to look. They had to look away from the, the snake bites and they had to look unto the ultimate destruction of the snake on a pole, Christ defeating the snake, Christ defeating and stomping on the head of the devil. All right, one last verse, Hebrews 12. Look at this, this is so good. So to look away and look unto, very important, very important. Now, in a trial, it's easy to kind of like fixate on the, on the, on the trouble, right? Fixate on the need, fixate on the eminent danger, fixate on things that could be um, uh, loss-producing, right? Maybe someone's lost their job, and so they're thinking, okay, they're starting to, the domino effect is starting to process in their mind of, of the outcome of a loss of job. And I'm not going to balance that. We understand we have to be, uh, we have to be, um, we don't sit on our hands, but we, we, we move in the spirit, but we're not moved in fear. I guess that's my point. We want to act, but we want to act in the right spirit. But look at Hebrews 12.1. We, we want to look away from the, from the snake bites. We want to look away from that thing that's in, in, you know, initiating pain or some sort of trauma, and we want to look unto the answer. We want to look unto Christ. All right. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, verse 1, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, Looking unto Jesus, what's the answer today? Okay, what's the answer today? The answer is to find the pole with the brazen serpent in our life and to look there. Okay, we could say our Bible is that place to look. We could say, obviously, Jesus Christ and the manifestation uh, of Him in our life is the place to look. Otherwise, if we call his provision worthless, if we complain against uh, the plan of God in our life, guess what? The serpents will kill us. The, the bites will, uh, will maim us in the sense of it will uh, spiritually kill us. It will spiritually reduce our capacity and uh, destroy us. But what a provision we have. What's the provision? looking unto Jesus. I mean, I tried to just imagine those Israelites, you know, 
you know, in their cockiness and their complaining and their, in their just kind of, you know, just their discouragement. And we, and what happens? God says, okay, snakes come, and there's an immediate fear, immediate uh, uh, danger. There's tremendous danger, and then and all of a sudden there's a crisis. And then what happens? Moses prays. I love that. Moses begins to pray. And that's what you and I do in times of trouble because we're not going to know sometimes how to get out of certain things until we pray. We're not going to know what to do or say or not to do or say. Some may want to run. They want to escape. They want to retreat. Maybe they want to flee or they want to fight, but they're going to fight the wrong things. You know, Moses didn't take out a shovel and start chopping heads off of the snakes, right? What did he do? He made a pole, and, and I don't know how long it took him to make that pole. It doesn't look like it came about in, in an hour. But they made it in, in a great crisis situation. And then those that were bitten, they looked and they were healed. And this is what, this is what I think in our country, in our city, in our families is needed you might be the pole. You may be the pole in your family. And they look to you or me and they say, what is it in your life that is, caught, is sustaining you when there's so much uncertainty and fear and darkness and, and, um, and uh, so much confusion? And we're just saying, hey, we're looking at the pole. We're looking at Jesus. <laughs> we're looking in the Bible. We're looking at the body. We're we're, we're hid in the body. And sure, we might have gotten bitten a few times, right? But what did that do? That led us intentionally deeper into God. So the momentum tests in our life, they're very, they're very fruitful. I don't want to say they're enjoyable, but they're, they're not meant to destroy you and I, but they're meant to add something into your life that makes you effective and anointed in the day that we're standing in. Because this is, this is a day to stand, to stand in truth. So don't count it strange, amen? Trials are temporary. Boy, thank God they're temporary, right? It's good, isn't it? This too will pass. But I want to learn the lesson so I don't have to do it again, right? You know the old phrase, history repeats itself when we don't learn from history? Oh, same thing in our own life. If I don't learn the lessons and, and really that God increases in my life and, and the, the initial reaction or the action of God increasing as we decrease, God is saying, I'm building you from the inside out and keep looking at the pole. If we look at the snakes, guess what? We're going to know how much snakes there are. We're going to know how deadly they are. We're going we're to come up with all kinds of uh, ways to protect ourselves. And, you know, there's a time for that. But the first initial place is looking unto Jesus. Amen looking unto him, looking away and looking unto him. Because guess what? He's taken our judgment. Some guy said to me the other day, the church is going to go through the tribulation. I said, you don't know your Bible. I'm sorry to say, because it says over and over that he's taken on the wrath of God. Why did Jesus endure the wrath of the cross? Why? So that we would not be children of wrath. Second, uh, good verses here. First Thessalonians 5, 9, Second Thessalonians 1, 10. It's so good. That we can look at the pole and be saved uh, from the wrath to come. Amen.
Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.